John Nix, and you're listening to the One More Verse podcast. One More Verse is a resource designed to help people understand the Bible. The passage for today is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. The importance of good leadership in the local church cannot be overstated. It is vital that the church have men who will shepherd God's people well. As we begin our reading today, it's important to understand the context for where we find ourselves. This church in Ephesus had already been warned back in Acts chapter 20 when Paul left that there were going to be those that would come into the church, these wolves that would bring false teaching and would be dangerous to the flock there in Ephesus. And so as we read through this letter to Timothy, we need to understand that this is not just some sort of instructions on how you identify and appoint new leaders. No, this is uh, the qualifications that are necessary for a radical overhaul in the church's leadership in Ephesus. These men had come in and they were leading others astray and this necessitated that they be replaced with men of integrity who could lead the church well. And so we begin uh, in, in this chapter that we read today saying that this saying is trustworthy. Now it seems that that would go uh, without needing to be stated, but remember Paul wants to assert his authority that has been given to him by Christ. He wants Timothy not only to know this for his own benefit, but he knows that this letter was not just a personal uh, letter written that Timothy would be the only one uh, that whose eyes passed over it. But he is writing in this way because yes, it is addressed to Timothy, but it is for the church and it is to be read publicly. And so he begins and he talks about this office of overseer. Uh, some people may call it um, an elder. It's one that would oversee the church. And he talks about the fact that this is a noble task. This, this is a great desire. This is a, a good and solid impulse. But we have to remember what it looks like to choose people to lead the local church. Now, different churches have different ways that they organize themselves. They're, they have different ways that they put themselves together as far as their leadership structure. But in this particular passage, we are um, uh, we're brought and made aware of the office of overseer and the office of deacon. And there are certain qualifications that are given. Now, many of those things uh, overlap. And so it's important to recognize that there is a lot of similarity that's going to happen. This is something that was established. Uh, the role of uh, overseer and elder versus the role of deacon is something that was a pattern that was set up in Acts chapter 6. There were seven men that were appointed to be deacons to take on some of the practical tasks so that the apostles could give their attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And so we, we've got to remember that when it comes to church leadership, we can't boil this down to just we see their leadership capacity. It cannot just be that, hey, they're gifted or they're popular. And we shouldn't necessarily just let those who maybe seldom attend church just throw out their ideas about who a good and qualified leader is, especially if they're not walking regularly with a community of faith. And so Paul gives us a list and he, he wants us to know how important integrity is. He wants us to understand what these men are to look like and how they are to walk in their regular lives. And so there's some points in there that are common to both. And so we'll talk about those and then we'll move on to the difference, uh, the primary difference between those two. 
one of the things that is essential is that they're supposed to have a strong marriage. And it's, uh, this is one of those areas that is really, not only is it critically important, but it's so hard to assess. It's easy for us to put on uh, an external uh, way that we want to be viewed. It's easy to look at a couple and you think, oh man, they're so beautiful. They're, it's just a power couple. They're so great together. And seemingly they have it all together, but they are falling apart on the inside. So it's necessary that if the church is going to move into this way that they would ascend to this place of leadership, it's critically important for the leaders of that church to figure out how are they going to assess that marriage? How are they going to know whether or not they are walking well with one another? Paul also says that uh, these men that uh, desire leadership, uh, they've got to be self-disciplined. Words like sober-minded and self-controlled and respectable. This is not somebody who is just led by their desires. This is somebody who has practiced the disciplines of grace ongoing. This is someone who has control over their emotions. They are not just driven by their appetites, but they are able uh, to measure themselves no matter if they're tired or on edge. These are, these are men that the general pattern of their lives is that they are walking in self-discipline. They're supposed to be able to relate to other people. That doesn't mean that they have to all be extroverted and the life of the party. It just means that they're able to be hospitable. Uh, They're able to be able to talk to other people. People in the community should feel comfortable uh, just spending time with them or asking questions or or, or seeking help. He he tells them that they must not abuse alcohol. They're not to be a, a drunkard. And this is one of those things that can be divisive and deadly. And so this is one of those places where you have to carefully measure those things. They're supposed to have integrity in their relationships. I, I love the, the list that they talk about gentle and not quarrelsome, not violent. You know, there are some people who I think that they live just to find um, conflict. I think that they love controversy. I think sometimes there are people uh, who just want to stir the pot. And the Bible says that these men who lead in the church, that should not be the way that we view them. This should not be the pattern of their lives. It doesn't mean that they won't go and correct people or rebuke people, uh, but it just means that it needs to be done in the right way. They're, they're not supposed to love money. It doesn't mean that they're not supposed to have money. It just means that money should not be the driving force. Jesus had already told us that you can't serve two masters. And so when it comes to this, if their highest value is the making of money and an extravagant lifestyle, then Paul is saying, hey, listen, you need to be careful of those things. And the biggest thing for all of these is that they should have an orderly home. Now, Home is the hardest place to make disciples. Home is the place where people see you at your best, but mostly they see you at your worst. And so um, since the family of God is described as a family, since the family of God is described as the household of faith, since we know that this is the relationship, then it is vitally important that these men be able to relate well in their home. Does it mean that their children never disobey? Of course not. Does it mean that the, the, the husband and wife never get cross with one another? No, that's, that's not even reasonable for an expectation. What it means is that there should be the evidence of grace in that home, that the leader in that home should be pointing uh, their family to Jesus, that they should see themselves as the primary disciple maker in their home, that there should be a, a place of peace. There, there should be this 
um, a glad acknowledgement by neighbors and all those around that it's obvious that these men love their families, but not only do they love their families, they lead them well. They shouldn't be recent converts. There's much to learn. And in our generation, sometimes we just feel that, hey, if somebody is gifted in business and they're a good leader and they know how to talk to people, then we should just immediately install them in these sort of positions. But, you know, walking with Jesus is one of those things that you cannot rush. The wisdom and the study of Scripture is something that comes over time. And sometimes we're tempted based on giftedness or uh, just how we view people as far as their success, perhaps in the business world. We, w- we think that we can adapt that into the church world. But the Bible says they, they should not be a recent convert. We don't want them uh, to fall into the condemnation. And there needs to be a good and solid reputation by those on the outside. No, when it comes to the leadership of the church, one of the things that I've always heard said is that we should be quick to identify leaders, but we should be very slow to lay our hands on them and affirm them and give them oversight in the church. And so as Paul is walking these things out and as he comes to the end, he, he wants Timothy to know he wants to come to them soon, but he can't, he knows he can't get there soon enough. So he's writing these things down. And, and I love the way that he said, you know, he, he says, you, you need to know how one ought to behave in the household of God. When I was a kid growing up, my parents used to say, now, you know how you ought to behave, especially when you go to guest house or something like that. And so this is one of those things where Paul says, listen, I'm planning to come to you. I want to talk about these things, but I need to send this on before me because you need to know the expectations. He, he wants them to know that the, the church, this is the church of the living God. And it's important to remember, church is not a building. It's not an address. The church is a people that have been called out by God to show the world what Jesus is like, to be his hands and feet in their communities. And this is the living God. And this is, I, I love this picture, the pillar and buttress of truth. Now, when we read that, there's there's some things that we miss because of the contextualization of this. But in Ephesus, uh, it would have been easy for them to understand exactly what they mean. Because this is one of those places where they would have seen this huge temple uh, that had all of these pillars and buttresses. So this, this would be something that, you know, they, they knew what this looked like because of the temple uh, of Diana was there in Ephesus. And it was one of the seven wonders of the world. It had a hundred huge pillars and it had this large, massive and marble roof. So when, when Paul is saying this, he's giving them the understanding of what they are to know. The truth of the matter is that they are to walk well in the community of faith. And he reminds them what this truth looks like. This mystery of godliness would still be a mystery had not God revealed it to us. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, became a real human being and was like us in every way except for our sin. He was vindicated by the Spirit in his ministry as the Spirit descended on him. And, and, and he also was vindicated by the resurrection, uh, showing that Jesus is exactly who he said he was and he had accomplished exactly what the Father sent him to accomplish He was seen by the angels and the angels not only witnessed his incarnation, but they witnessed his resurrection. And they were the ones who told the disciples, hey, he's not here. They were the ones that when Jesus ascended said, why are you looking? He he will come back. 
This is the good news that is to be proclaimed and believe that Jesus has returned to his glory. But this gospel needs to advance. And the church has been given so that we may have this place where we can hear the gospel proclaimed, where people can grow in grace and godliness, where we can receive um, instruction and encouragement, where we can practice the regular things uh, of faith that for generations have helped to build disciples. So I hope that when you read this passage, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of checklists there. And if we're not careful, we can get sidetracked. But here Paul saying, good leaders in the local church are vitally important. And these men can't be chosen by some mere external uh, personality test. They cannot be chosen just because they look good or they're professionally accomplished. There are some very specific things. You should see the evidence of grace in their lives and more so than anywhere else, especially in their home, so that we can know that they will be able to lead the household of faith. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit us online at johnnicks.org. I'd love to hear from you on social media so you can find me. Just use the handle at the John Nicks. And don't forget to download the free Vertical Purpose app for One More Verse and for some additional resources. Thanks again and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.